Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Cool. Who do you think you are? I don't know if that was a gremlin or if that was part of the plan. I'm not too sure. But anyway, uh, we are in week four of our series, Who Do You Think You Are? Jesus was asked that question. And it had just a little bit of an attitude attached to it. And I started to think over my own life, the times I've been accused with this question, who do you think you are? Is there anyone in this room this morning that's ever been asked that question of them? them? Yeah. And maybe with just a little bit of an attitude attached? Yeah. Well, you are in good company because Jesus uh, Jesus Christ Himself was accused of that very same thing. And I thought it was a good opportunity for us to look at that question, who do we think we are? Because when you know who you are, you'll know how to behave. When you know who you are, you'll know how to act. You'll know what to say. You'll know how to think. Who we think we are is a really important question in life. In actual fact, although I've repackaged and rebranded these thoughts, these are the thoughts that I grew up with as a teenager that have shaped my life, that have fashioned my life, that have held me in the good days, the bad days and the downright ugly days. You cannot do life. You cannot do marriage. You can't do friendship. You can't do family. You can't do the workplace. You can't do school nor university at any level without having the good, the bad and the ugly. Am I in the right room this morning? Who knows what it is to experience good? Who knows what it is to experience bad? Who knows what it is to experience downright filthy ugly? Absolutely. And uh, it's in those moments that these foundational thoughts and teachings have held me. And I trust that that they will not only bless you, but they will hold you and help you all the days of your life. Week number one, we answered with the question, who do you think you are? I am an ambassador of Christ, which means we are Christ's representatives here on planet Earth. And we have the incredible privilege to join one kingdom to another. And we do that with a message. It's not a message of judgment. It's not a political message. It's not a stylistic message. It's not a message based upon branding lights or smoke machines. It is indeed a message of reconciliation. That is what we have been called to do. Who do you think you are? You are an ambassador of Christ. Secondly, we looked at the answer to that question. Who do you think you are? You are the light of the world. We've been placed in a situation and we face many dark moments and many dark times. But it's in the darkness that our light shines all the more. And Jesus said, let your light shine shine. Make a difference in the world in which you live. And if you're in a workplace where you are the only Christian, what better place? When there's all the swearing and all the stuff going on that the world do, you can shine your light brighter than anything else. You don't even have to mention the name Jesus when you're in that environment. Just by virtue of you not swearing, just by virtue of you acting differently, people will begin to ask 
questions of you about what is it about you? And that is your open door and your opportunity. So let your light shine. Last week, in answer to the question, who do you think you are? We answered with this, I am saved. S-A-V-E-D, I'm saved. And we looked at three components of our salvation that we have been saved, that we are being saved and that one day we will be saved. What do I mean by that? I mean that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Our sin has been paid for once and for all. When Jesus hung up on the cross and said, it is finished, He was not talking about His life. He was talking about His mission. He dealt with sin once and for all. I'm saved. My sin has been dealt with once and for all. We looked at I am being saved, which means that the power of sin is being dealt with in my life. My life is more like a construction site than a shop front window. And any construction site is messy. We've had the privilege in our married life of building three homes and two churches. And every time we've built, it has been messy. But the mess indicates one important factor and that is there is work still to be done. That this site is in progress and you and I are a work in progress. We are not finished. We are not done. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. Check your pulse right now. Is there life? If you are breathing, if you have a pulse, you're not dead, which means you're not done. You are a work in progress. We are being saved. And one day we will be saved and we'll be saved from the very presence of sin itself. We will enter a time where there is no sin, there is no sickness, there are no tears, there are no poverty. And I look forward to that great and glorious day. Which brings me to week number four. And in answer to the question, who do you think you are? My answer today is this, I am an alien. And everybody said, Nanu, Nanu. (laughs) Can you do that? Just found out I could do that this morning. I thought, that's awesome. (laughs) Be like Humphrey Bear. Anyway, I am an alien. What do I mean by that? Let's turn to the Word of God. And I want to turn to the book of John. Read from verse 17. We're going to break midway through a prayer that Jesus Himself is praying to the Father for His disciples. And this prayer is not just aimed for the disciples. It's to us today. This is the very same prayer I believe Jesus prays for us today. And so it says, I am coming to you now, but I say this, uh, these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So Jesus is saying, Father, I'm coming to you soon, but right now here on planet Earth, I want these in my world to know the full measure of your joy. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them as a result, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer, get this, is not that you would take them out of the world. There's an answer to your prayer. God, get me out of this. God, remove this. God, God is not always going to take us out of. He's going to take us through. That is what Jesus, Jesus Himself is, is praying. He's counteracting our prayers. Our prayers are take me out. God, is, Jesus is praying. No, don't take them out, Father. Take them through. Well, they take me out. He said, no, no, don't listen to them. Take them through. It's an amazing thing. Thanks, Moggy. I appreciate your encouragement. Um, 
but that you would protect them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. That statement, I am not of this world, or you are not of this world, means that you and I are indeed aliens. And what I want to do is explain what that text means. But before I explain what it means, I want to look at what it does not mean. And the first thing it does not mean, it is not a statement of weird mysticism. The last thing we need in church today is more religious nutters. The last thing we need in church today is more spiritual weirdos. We don't need any more weird. Wacky is not going to win the world. If it was, the world would be one. But wacky is not going to do it. Weird is not going to do it. Weird and wonderful is not going to do it. We need sane. And so this is not a statement for you just to go off and do your own thing and say, oh, but I'm not of this world. When Jesus said this, He was from a place. There are some people that are so weird We know they're not from this world. We know that. That is not in question, sir. What we want to know is where the heck are you from? What planet are you from? And if you were from another planet, did they kick you out because they didn't want you? That's what I want to know. Weird. Jesus is not advocating more weird in the body of Christ. That is not what He is saying here. Likewise, it's not a statement of religious superiority. Jesus was not talking about being pious. He was not talking about being a religious snob. Just like the church doesn't need any more weirdos, we don't need any more religious self-righteous snobs in the body of Christ. This is not a statement. This is not a, a quote. This is not a moment where Jesus is advocating that we should be self-righteous and pious just as He's not saying we should be weird and wacky. This is not a statement that says, I am better than you. This is not a statement that justifies us looking down our nose at people, thinking that we are just a little bit better than they are. Some Christians want to separate themselves from the world because they think they're too good for the world. Others want to separate themselves from the world because they don't want to be contaminated by the world. And Jesus is not advocating that either. We don't need any more self-righteous people in the body of Christ as we don't need any more weird people in the body of Christ. So let's take a look at what this means. I believe the qualifying phrase to Jesus saying, you are not of this world is found in the completion of that sentence. He says, you are not of this world even as I am not of this world. Jesus had something in mind when He said that His disciples were not of the world. And He was trying to say, you are not of the world as I am not of this world. Jesus was not of this world. He was very much in the world. He was flesh and blood. He was in the world. He was tempted and tested in every way as we are. The things that we feel, the things that we go through, Jesus felt and Jesus went through. He was very much in the world, but He lived above the world. He wasn't of it. He wasn't contaminated by the world. He was bigger than the world. And I want to look at three areas where Jesus was not of this world this morning. The first one is in His nature. The second one is in His focus. And the third one is in His character. 
And as He is not of the world in this way, so it is true for us. Our nature, our focus, our character is altogether different from this world. And as a result, we think, act and speak differently. We are just different. If you have ever felt like you don't fit in, that's because you have good reason. You don't. We're not of this world. So let's look at these three things very quickly this morning. And then we'll get up here again and we'll sing some more. How does that sound? Just celebrate together. Awesome. Number one, my nature is not of this world. We're going to look at the nature. See, Jesus had a dual nature. He was fully man. And yet at the same time, He was fully God. As man, He represented mankind as a man to be a sacrifice for humanity. See, an angel could not do that. An angel cannot identify with human beings. They've only ever known the presence of God. They've never known what it is to be separate from the presence of God. And so they look at us in awe and wonder. When we as Christians worship the living God on the darkest days, the angels are amazed. They cannot identify with humanity. So they would not have made a good substitute. Animals likewise cannot identify with humanity. And that's why the Old Testament sacrificial offerings of animals had to be done again and again and again because it was never complete. For man to be redeemed, it needed another man. And Jesus became not just a man, but He became the man. And so He was fully man, yet at the same time, He was fully God. He was not just man, but He was God. He was both human and divine. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says, This Word became flesh and had its dwelling amongst us, speaking of Jesus Christ. In other words, God never stopped being God, even though He was a man. He was fully God. He was fully man. But He did life on earth. Although He was fully God, He did it as a man. In other words, He put aside His powers to show us how to overcome at every level. The best way I can explain this or illustrate it is, and if you are a parent in this place, you will understand this. If you've ever had young kids or maybe been that young kid, and you've had a play fight with your dad or your mum. You ever, ever done that with your kids? And unless you are a masochistic parent that just wants to pummel your kid to the ground and let him lose on every occasion, which I don't know too many parents like that, but if you are one of those, you probably need a little bit of help and we can pray for you later. But generally speaking, generally speaking, most parents, when they're play fighting with their kids, they let their kids win. And when that happens in that moment, it doesn't mean that mum or dad is any less weaker. It just means they chose not to use their strength. And Jesus operated as God on earth in the body of a man, but He overcame every temptation that came His way, not as God, but as a man. He laid aside His strength. He laid aside His power to overcome that He may be the ideal substitute for us once for all. This is important for us to know. 
In other words, he was a man, but he was different. He was religious, but he was different than the religious people of his day. He was able to go fishing with the boys. He was able to discuss the Torah with the priests. He was able to talk about relationships with the woman at the well. This is Jesus. He got on well with everyone and yet he was obviously different in the core of his nature. He had authority, but he was never authoritarian. He had power, but he was never domineering. He claimed to be God and yet he was never egotistical. If there is one person who could be an egotistical so-and-so, it's Jesus who was God, but he wasn't. He was God, but he was never egotistical. He kept the law, but he was never legalistic. He was perfect, but he never made others feel inferior. He was gracious, but He never compromised. He was the Son of God, but He was even accessible to children. God Almighty having children sitting on His knee. In actual fact, what I love about that moment is this, you don't fool kids. You don't fool kids. He was the Son of God, but He was accessible to even children. He was funny without being coarse. He was spiritual without being religious. He was a miracle worker without being a show pony. He was fully man, but he operated out of a different nature. In other words, he was not of this world. He operated out of a different spirit. I say that to say this, you and I have a dual nature. Every one of us in this room was born. There is a date to our birth. We all have a birth date. But when we give our life to Jesus, that's the time when we are born again. So we have two births. We have a dual nature. The time we were born and then the time we were born again. Nicodemus came to Jesus and you can read it for yourself in John chapter three. He says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And it's when we are born again, we have a new nature. We have a different spirit. We have, a, we have, we have something on the inside going off differently. We think differently now. We've been awakened on the inside We have a dual nature. Who do you think you are? You are an alien. You are a person with more to their nature than those that are of this world. You are a person whose nature is completely different than anybody else's in this world. Thanks be to Jesus. Jesus' nature was different and our nature is different. Secondly, My focus, everyone say focus. My focus is not of this world. Just as Jesus' focus was not of this world, He was preoccupied with different things. This is very evident when He was dealing with Pilate. Prior to His crucifixion, on the night He was betrayed, He was brought before Pilate. And Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus. Pilate was frustrated by Jesus. He didn't know how to handle Jesus. And in John chapter 18, verse 35, it says, I am a Jew. Sorry, am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And picking up on the screen in verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent the arrest of the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, what you say, uh, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. 
Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. At this moment, Pilate is very frustrated with Jesus. Why? Because he couldn't categorise Jesus. At this moment, Pilate was trying to put Jesus in a box. And so he asked the question, Jesus, are you a king? Answer the question, are you a king? And Jesus says, yeah, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. And now Pilate's confused. Can you, you got to see what's going on. So he says, are you a king? He gets his yes. And so Pilate goes, cool. And then he says, but my kingdom is not of this world. And now he's confused again. He's confused because he's trying to put Jesus in a box. And Jesus defied all the boxes that people try to put Him in. Why? Because He was not of this world. See, people aren't comfortable. This is what I've found to be true. People aren't comfortable with categories they don't understand. So Jesus says, I'm a king, but uh, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, okay, of Jesus, are you a priest? Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I'm a priest, but I'm also the sacrifice. It's like, oh man, now I'm confused again. Are you a teacher? Jesus tells us, are you a teacher? He says, yes, but I'm not interested in your religious trivial pursuit games. But what you say is true. Jesus, aren't you Mary's son? Yes, I am. But after all, who is my mother? Who is my father? It's all very confusing. Aren't you the carpenter from Nazareth? Yes, I am. But I'm the prophet who has no honour in his hometown. Which one was Jesus? He was all of that. And he was answering at a level that is not of this world. Because the level this world understands is box you, confine you, contain you. And Jesus would not be box, confined or contained because He was not of this world. And you are not of this world. I get asked all the time, are you a Pentecostal church? I say, well, ah, what do you mean by that? If you're asking, do I believe in speaking in tongues? Yes. But I also believe in baptism by full immersion. So I suppose I'm a Baptist. And I also believe in the justification by faith so you can put me in the Lutheran category. What am I? I don't know. I'm all of that and then some. To confine my religious experience to an Acts chapter 2 moment is such a small thing to do. Our God is bigger than Acts chapter 2. Am I a Pentecostal? Yes, but we're bigger than that. Am I a Lutheran? Yes, but we're bigger than that. Am I a Baptist because I believe in baptism by full immersion? Yes, but I'm bigger than that. And we've got to get comfortable with uncomfortable. We've got to get comfortable with commas instead of full stops. People want to put a full stop after your name. You know, we had a guest speaker come a few years ago. He's come a number of times since and he's become a good friend to this house. But prior to ever coming to us, he was asking some of the locals about the landscape, the spiritual landscape in Adelaide. And in discussing the spiritual landscape of Adelaide, our church came up. They said, well, there's Victory Church. It's a great church. They're doing great things. And this is what they said. They said, oh yeah, but they're a little bit loose. I have no idea why. But... 
the basis, basic premise for saying that was because we do an event called The Bloke. And The Bloke has alcohol. And so based upon an event that has a certain substance, that now puts us in a certain category. And that category does not define Victory Church at all. We're not wine bibbers here at Victory. Some of you might be. (laughs) But I stand by this fact. I've never been drunk in my life, ever. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never done a joint. And to be categorised as a loose church because of an event, I'm bigger than that. We're not only loose, we're very loose. I resent that because I don't think you, you're going uh, deep enough with our looseness. We're a lot looser than I th- you think you're giving us credit for. Anyway, this, this particular man who heard that has become a great friend of this house, as I've said, and, and he's actually stayed in our home. He's not just preached in our church numerous times, but he's stayed in our home. And as he was recalling this story, he said, you know what, as I've got to know you, you're not loose at all. He actually said, you're one of the most balanced people I know. He says, I've watched the way you do marriage. I've watched the way you do parenting. I've watched the way you do pastoring. I've watched the longevity in your life. You can't do what you have done over the years just being loose. So I said, go on. (laughs) Keep talking. But it's true. Imagine if I'd allowed that statement to confine me. Either I would build a ministry around that containment or I would just get discouraged and give up. And many people do that. But we're not of this world. Don't let people put labels on you. We are bigger. We're not of this world. And the reason the world doesn't understand that is because they don't get it because we're from a different place. It's, uh, it's not unlike someone coming from another country that doesn't speak English. In a sense, they are aliens. Someone who doesn't speak English and comes to Australia, they're like an alien to our nation. And, and when they try and communicate, they're speaking a different language. We are speaking a different language sometimes because we're coming from a different place. We're coming from a different platform. We're coming from a place where we refuse to be contained. Our focus is different. We're not going to contain our God to one little aspect. We, want to, we serve a big God. And so are we a Pentecostal church? Yes, but we're more than that. And I want you, that's my answer. We're more than that. Jesus was incredible at just living with a clear focus. And we need to be clear when it comes to living with a great focus. Our focus needs to be different as Jesus was different. Even when it came to his own family, Jesus was different. There was one occasion when Jesus was a boy, age 12, went to Jerusalem with his family and they gathered all the family together and they started marching on home. And it was three days later they realised, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, where's Jesus? I mean, three days. It's getting a little bit serious. I mean, after three days, your face ends up on a milk container. Crime stoppers are saying, have you seen this boy? And they go back to Jerusalem and they're looking for Jesus. 
And they eventually find him talking to the religious people of the day. And it's interesting to me what he says. After finding him, he responds with this. He's 12 years of age. He says, why did you seek me? That's a strange response from a 12-year-old boy talking to his mum and dad. Probably not the wisest thing you could ever say to your mum and dad. But Jesus didn't. He was very comfortable there. And they must be thinking, well, I don't know, maybe because we're your parents. And then Jesus asks another question. He says, uh, didn't you know? Know what? That had to be about my father's business. Joseph goes. <laughs> and at that moment, there's something different about this kid. He's living with an altogether different focus than everybody else. And it's that focus that you and I need to live with. See, people often say to me, ah, are you the pastor? I say, yes, but no. Yeah, yeah, that, that's my occupation. And you might be a doctor, you might be a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. That's your occupation. But it shouldn't be our preoccupation. Our occupation should never be our preoccupation. Jesus was preoccupied with the kingdom of heaven. He was preoccupied with his Father's will. He wasn't preoccupied with what he was doing. He wasn't preoccupied with what the people wanted him to do. The people wanted him to become their king, their saviour. They wanted to set up his rule here on planet Earth and he would have no bar of it. He would not have no bar of the fame nor the fortune that the people were trying to lavish upon him. He was focused. He was preoccupied with something other than his occupation. And I want to encourage you, particularly this Christmas period, let's not lose focus. Let not our preoccupation over Christmas be family. May it not be food. May it not be presents. But we have an incredible opportunity to shine forth the light of God as His ambassadors to make a difference. Let us be preoccupied with what is preoccupying Christ right now. If you've got your dream job, fantastic. But don't be preoccupied with it. See it as an opportunity to extend the kingdom of heaven. Which brings me to my last and final point, And it's simply this. My character is not of this world. Just as Christ's character was not of this world. See, Jesus' response to people was not normal. In Mark chapter five, sorry, Matthew chapter 5, he said, you have heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. That's what the people were taught. That's easy. Love your neighbour, hate your enemy. Got it. That's like a win-win. Love the people I love and hate the people I hate. That's a win-win. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, his character was different. His nature was different. His focus was different. His character was different. And this was seen when he was hung upon the cross and having beaten half to death with nails pierced to his wrist and feet. And people are jeering him and mocking him and saying, if you are the Son of God, why don't you save yourself and come down? And he responds, not in the way of this world, 
but in a different spirit because his nature and his character and his focus were different. And he says this, forgive them. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. His nature was not of this world. And how you and I respond is really important. How we respond in trials is not of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as the band come, verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, which far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We see this in the life of Joseph, who was a young man with a big dream. He told his brothers about this dream that one day they'd bow down and worship him. They didn't like that. They got rid of him. He found himself in a pit. He found himself in a jail. And one day he found himself as prime minister to all of Egypt. And then there was this one day he saw his brothers for the first time in many, many years. And his brothers were terrified because they thought he would exact vengeance on them. But he operated in a different spirit. And in uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. We're not of this world. Our character is not of this world, and that is seen in the way we respond in trial. But there's one thing that probably tempts us and tests us more than trials, and that is blessing. How we respond when we get the job, when we get the promotion, when we get the guy or the girl, when we get the baby. How we respond in blessing is really important. I love in the book of Acts, chapter 16, two mighty men of God, Paul and Silas, they get beaten black and blue, thrown into prison, just for preaching the Word of God. They were in stocks and chains. And it says in the Bible that they were singing. But the amazing thing to me, outside of the fact that they were singing in the first place, is the fact that the prisoners were listening. That's not normal. Them singing, it's not normal. The response of the prisoners, it's not normal. 12 o'clock at night, keep the music down. We had neighbours having a party last night, 12 o'clock, when I got... I wasn't listening. I was like thinking other things. And through their singing, there's a little bit of an earthquake. The doors fling open. The prisoners don't escape. That's not normal. There's nothing normal about what is taking place in Acts chapter 16. Because there are two men who have a different nature. They have a different focus. And their characters altogether different. This was Paul's moment. Freedom. But he was not preoccupied with his freedom. This is what you've got to get out of this story. Paul was not preoccupied with his blessing and his freedom and his prayers being answered. Often we stop short and we confuse leaves with fruit. 
Often we call the blessing of God fruit when it's actually just the leaves. Paul realised that the shackles coming off and the doors being opened, that was just the leaves. The fruit hasn't come yet. Because he was preoccupied with something else, something bigger, something better. He's not of this world. And it wasn't just about his freedom. His freedom was just leaves. But he's got something else in mind and it's other people. And he has this incredible opportunity to see the jailer come to Christ and see the jailer's whole family come to Christ. That's fruit. Paul's freedom was leaves. The jailer's freedom was fruit. But it doesn't stop there. The jailer comes to Paul and says, great news. The authorities have said you can go. Now go, be free. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not preoccupied with my own freedom. You should know that. I want people to know why we have suffered. I want the Name of Jesus to be glorified. Tell them to come themselves and take us out of prison. What possesses a man to do that? A man with a different nature. A man with a different focus. A man with a different character. A man who's not of this world. Oh, he's very much in it, but he's not of it. He's of a different spirit. He's coming from a different place. Our arguments, our conversations, our thoughts should be coming from a different place. That's what makes us out of this world. And the Bible says as a result of what took place, the whole palace guard and much of that area heard about Christ. These two men literally turned their world upside down. You or I are not of this world. Who do you think you are? You're an ambassador of Christ. Who do you think you are? You're the light of the world. Who do you think you are? I'm saved. Who do you think you are? I'm an alien. I'm not of this world. As He is not of this world. That being true, our conversations should look more like Christ than they do like this world. We live in a grab all, take all world, generally speaking. But Jesus will have none of that. And I can't think of a better opportunity for us to put this Word of God into practice than this Christmas time. I love Christmas. I love all that comes with it. I love the eating. I love the family moments. I love gathering together as a church. I love the putting up of the tree and the decorate. I do. I enjoy all that. We will go to the brewery again this year. It's not as good for me, not because I'm younger, but because the things that I look at now are not the things I made. When I was younger, there were things on the riverbank there that we, me and dad, made personally. They're all gone. It's a long time ago. But we'll go. I love all that. But let's not be preoccupied. Let's not allow those things to get in the way of why we are here. Let's not allow those things to blur our true nature, to blur our focus, and to distort our character and who we really are. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.